So I, I've been in this place, I was talking to Ken about it, almost this place of, of a concern for this message I'm going to give tonight because I believe with all my heart in the rest, in the finished work of Jesus and knowing that he did the work. It's not our works. And yet we do have a part to play. And if we just sit back in passivity and wait for God to do what he's already done, we are not going to see any results. So my prayer is that there is a balance between the truth that Jesus did it all and we are resting in his finished work, the truth that it is so important for us to let go of control and trust in God, but also the truth that it's our words, our taking the authority and the power that has been commissioned to us and activating it that appropriates, that takes hold of the work that's already finished. So you can see my heart. I mean, I, I would love to just sit right here and soak in the presence of God and just let him love on us, and that's a beautiful place to be. But we also have an active role. So I'm going to get up, and I am going to give you a word that is power-packed. And I live both sides of the story. I live resting in Jesus. I live in that place of receiving his love and, and keeping my eyes on his finished work and how much he loves me because he wouldn't have done it if he, doesn't love, if he didn't love me. But I also stand in a position of authority. And that's where I'm going to be sharing tonight. The title of this message is, It's Your Faith and It's Your Move. Let me start with the scripture, 2 Corinthians 1.20, one of my favorites. You've heard it many times in here. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. That's God's yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So the truth of this word is that every promise in the word of God has been fulfilled in Jesus. If there's a promise, God says yes to it. You don't have to wonder if it's a yes or a no. You don't have to wonder if it is God's will or not. If there's a promise in the word, it is his will, period. Because of what Jesus did. But our part is to agree with God. Our part is to say amen. That amen literally means I agree with you, God. That amen literally means, let it be done unto me according to your word. Let it be so. So everything that has been provided for us in the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus is without question the will of God. So redemption includes complete forgiveness of sin, complete remission of sin. It includes reconciliation to God. It includes healing and deliverance and peace and strength and provision and protection and fullness and completeness of life and eternal life and a whole lot more than that. God's 
redemptive work is amazing. And for every one of those things I just spoke, I could give you scriptural evidence. It's all God's will. But, and here's the but, and this is where we're going to go from this point on tonight. But, the promises of God are not automatic. Even though they're clearly his will, even though it's the will of God, they're not automatic. His promises are guaranteed. That's what the scripture says. He says, yes, they're guaranteed, but they're not automatic. Second Peter 3, 9, I'm going to give you an example, one clear, clear example, and then I'm going to move into healing. But here is the very clear example. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord does not delay and he's not tardy or slow about what he promises. You can stop right there, write that down on a card, and put it on your refrigerator. That's a good one. God is not, he does not delay, he's not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. So that scripture right there says God wants us all saved. He wants us all to be his children. He desires, he's a good, good father. He cares about his children. He cares about his creation. He wants every one of us reconciled unto him. He's long-suffering. He's never going to turn his back on you. From, from the moment you're born until the moment you take your last breath on this earth, it's never too late. It is too late after you take your last breath. But until that point, it isn't too late. God is extraordinarily patient, waiting, wanting all of us to turn our hearts to him. However, that's his will, correct? That's his will. However, not everybody accepts him. Not everybody says yes to God. Not everybody chooses to believe. That is evidence that an individual's will affects God's promises. It's his will, it's his promise. But our will, he's given us free will. So our free will affects if his will comes to pass in our life or not. So that's the salvation piece. And probably every one of us completely, that's easy to understand. So let's apply it to two more, two more promises. It is certainly the will of God for each of us to walk in freedom from the dominion of sin. Let me give you a scripture to give you that. And this isn't on your sheet. If you want to write it down, it's up to you. Romans 6.14 tells me that. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are no longer under the law, but you're under grace. And if you read that whole chapter, <laughs> chapter 6, it goes all over the place about how we have been saved by grace and we are saved from the power of sin we're saved from the dominion of sin it's god's promise to us it's part of salvation yet we can still hold on to habitual sin in our life we can in, we're, we're sin is remitted our spirit is cleansed but we can still choose to yield to the flesh we can still choose, because we have a free will, we can still choose to yield to the world instead of to the word 
but that does not make a lifestyle of sin the will of God. God's will is clear. He's paid the price, so sin has no more power over us. And yet we still, with our free will, can yield to sin. So we looked at salvation, we looked at sin. Let's talk about healing. It is God's perfect will for each of us to walk in divine healing and health. Lots of scriptural evidence. Isaiah 53, my, my favorite part of that scriptural account or that piece of scripture is this piece. The chastisement of our peace was upon Jesus. That means the price, the penalty for all of our sin was upon Jesus, was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And then we see Jesus living that out, showing us the heart of the Father, healing all who came to him. Healing is the will of God. But look at the world. Look at the world. So many of the world, and even us, have been in that place where we kind of fall in. We fall in to the world's way, kind of receiving the bad reports, receiving, maybe nursing the sickness, kind of giving it peace or making peace with it and kind of living with it, yielding to the enemy's purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. But that does not change God's will or his desire for us. Bottom line is the will of God is not going to happen without our participation. Healing doesn't happen automatically, even though it is the perfect will of God. We have a part to play in the healing process. So we're going to talk about two of those pieces tonight. The first one is, it's your faith. You received the finished work of Jesus. You receive it according to your faith, not somebody else's faith. And I could even say according to your revelation of the word of God not my revelation of the word of God Matthew 9 verses 28 through 30 says it's an account of healing when he when Jesus had come into the house the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them do you believe that I'm able to do this they said to him yes Lord and then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened. That's a beautiful example, that it's according to their faith. I love how Jesus put it in their hands. Yes, he's the healer. Yes, he was, he was showing us the heart of the Father in his whole ministry, healing. And sometimes he healed people that weren't even asking for healing. But this is an example of being healed according to our faith. And he gave them the chance. He says, what do you want? He said, do you believe? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And when they said yes, they had seen Jesus. They had experienced him. They had encountered him. They had seen his work. They'd seen him living out this life of compassion and healing. And they said, yes, Lord, we believe. That's all it took. Simple simple faith. And then Jesus said, let it be done to you according to your faith. 
This faith that I'm talking about is of the heart, not of the head. What you believe in your heart is what matters because that is how you will receive from God. I feel like I need to back up for just a minute. We're talking about being healed according to your faith. There are many ways that Jesus heals. There are many ways. The gifts of the Spirit are a different picture. I'm going to actually talk about that next week. The gifts of the Spirit are as God wills to build up the body of Christ. The gift of healings, the, the gift of miracles, words of knowledge, which we see in this atmosphere a lot and we see healings as faith is raised up with the word of knowledge faith is raised up to receive that is a gift of the spirit many people have been healed without any faith with gifts of the spirit chris carlson many of you know her she's the one that was healed of trigeminal neuralgia she didn't even believe in healing she walked into this very room and she told marlene kleps i don't really believe in that whole healing business I don't do her accent as well as she does. And Marlene says, it doesn't matter. I'll believe for you. And a gift of the Spirit, she was healed. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's awesome. We all love gifts of the Spirit. We all wish we could grab one of those every minute of every day. But the great news about being healed according to your own faith is that it's available to every single person. Always. This is available for everyone. It's a treasure. It's a gift. I believe, when I look back at my healing journey, that this is where I received was through my faith. It wasn't a gift of the Spirit. It was a process of six months. I believe that I was healed according to my faith. So I'm passionate about this teaching. So faith is of the heart, not the head. It's what you believe in your heart, not your head, that matters. Listen to the scripture. It's a common one, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, the word in parentheses is, is the, the um, Greek word for the word word. It's really hard to say. So, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema word, of God. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to read this to you from another translation. This is from the Passion. Listen to this. Faith, then, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. We're talking about the heart. Faith is birthed in your heart as it responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one, that's Jesus. As, as God's breeze into your heart, it might be through scripture, it might be through somebody that's teaching, it might be through a, a, a message you hear, it might be through a song, but as God is speaking to your heart about Jesus, about Jesus healing, about Jesus loving, about Jesus saving, and your heart is just stirred. That's where faith comes from. That's where faith is birthed. I am going to um, teach a little bit on what that looks like. 
to have that happen inside your heart to such a place that, I got to read this line because it's so good, that once faith comes, once your heart responds, nothing can stop you from your appointment with healing. You want to hear more? Okay. So it's called meditation. Meditation. Let me read the scripture. I read this a few weeks ago, but I'm going a little bit different direction today. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. How many of you have been mocked for your faith and healing? How many of you have had people say, you're in denial? Or how many people have said, oh, are you in some cult? <laughs> yeah. That's very often the world. They don't have the relationship. Their heart hasn't yet been stirred with these amazing promises. I, when I read the first four verses of that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's being pressed into the mold of the world, doing things the world's way. God has a better way. And it starts in verse 2. But... They delight in the law or the word of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. That's the key right there. They delight in the word of God, in the promises of God. They delight in the good news. And it's so exciting when that good news is like being spoken and you're speaking it. Maybe you've got a little Charles Capps book and you're reading those scriptures. Barb, could you grab one of those books for me? Because I'm going to be talking about it. And as you read them, it just is something stirs inside of you. And it's really, really good. This is what I've noticed. That when I am delighting, when I'm getting excited about a word that God has revealed to me, I'm thinking about it through the day. And then often, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and that's the first thing that I think of. Often, when I'm excited about a promise that God is showing me or revealing to me or unveiling to me, I wake up first thing in the morning, and that's the first thing on my heart, first thing on my mind. You, you ask, does God speak to you first thing in the morning? Yeah, I wake up like that. I wake up excited. Sometimes I even dream it. So we meditate on the amazing promises of God day and night. Maybe you wake up, maybe you're having a sleepless night. Well, sometimes that might not be all bad. Because during that hour or two hours that you, where you need more sleep, Jen, <laughs> you can be meditating on the promises of God. I often put earbuds in, and that's when I just let the word go into my heart, go into my mind. So let's talk. Oh, I've got to read the rest of the scripture. Because look at what happens when you meditate. What happens to you? What happens to the person? What happens to your heart? You become like a tree planted along the riverbank, getting that water, that living water from those deep roots, bearing fruit each season. Your leaves never wither and you prosper in all that you do. Isn't that a great promise? Meditating on the word day and night and then becoming like the tree of life, prospering, fruitful. So that word meditate in the scripture is the um, Hebrew word hagah, H-A-G-A-H. -H. And I've discovered something about this word that really gets me excited. When you look it up in the concordance, there's a series of words that it can be translated as. 
And this is the order that those words are listed in a concordance. Utter, mutter, meditate, imagine, speak, roar. And as I have been meditating on that word, meditate, I've seen how that progression happens when your heart is responding to the anointed utterance, to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. So the first step, I'm going to give you five steps. The first step is the uttering and the muttering. The uttering and the muttering is simply speaking it out loud, speaking the word out loud. When, when I was first diagnosed with cancer, you guys have probably heard this before, but you're going to hear it again because it's, it's, it's a powerful teaching. And I believe this is something you can take and apply into your life. When I was first diagnosed, Jenny gave me this particular book. She said, this is your medicine. So I took it home, and she said, read it out loud every day. So I started doing that. I opened it up to the section where there's scriptures, and I started reading them aloud every day. And this is what I was doing. I was doing step one, uttering and muttering the word. It didn't feel real to me at all. It felt like a fairy tale. This is what I believe was happening in the spiritual realm. Picture a seed. I'm picturing right now um, a sunflower seed. You can picture whatever you want. A little sunflower seed. It's hard. It's dry. When I was uttering and muttering these scriptures, that seed, the word is seed, that seed was going into my heart. But that seed was still, it still looked like envision, I'm envisioning it, looking like a sunflower seed. It hadn't yet sprouted, it hadn't done anything. That's the uttering and the muttering. The next stage of meditation is actually the word meditate. The word meditate means to think about, to ponder, to focus your attention on. As I was reading these scriptures, I started to think about them. I didn't at the beginning. It didn't really make sense to me. You know, I, it was all brand new to me. I was just reading them out loud. But then I started to really think about them. I started to ponder them. And, and I remember I had a lot of questions. So I would go to Jenny and ask my questions, and she would help me to understand. She would usually go to scripture to, to further help me to understand, you know, the scriptures that were in here. So I was pondering, I was thinking about them, I was asking questions about these scriptures. And something started to stir in here. At first, like I said, I had zero, I mean zero faith. It felt like a complete fairy tale. But then the first thing that happened was the fear, the suffocating fear was replaced with peace. That was huge. The second thing that happened was I noticed that as I was reading these out loud, I started to feel stronger. I started to feel, as I was reading them, like I was being built up. It felt good. It felt good to my soul. This is what I was believe was happening in the spiritual realm. That little seed, that little sunflower seed that I had planted in my heart just by uttering and muttering started to grow a teeny tiny little root. You know how when a, a seed splits open, a little tiny root goes down, a little tiny sprout goes up. It's not out of the ground yet, can't see it, but it's just starting to break open. I believe that's what was happening while I was meditating. First I was just reading them, uttering and muttering, then I was meditating. 
The third step in this process is to imagine. Now we've talked about imagine since the new year because that's something God has really put on my heart. When we imagine, when we imagine, we literally picture within ourselves what it would be like to see God's promise come to pass. And unknowingly, I was doing that. I don't believe it was a coincidence. I believe it was the Spirit of God birthing something in me. Because I, I had become pregnant. When that seed went in my heart, I would become pregnant with that promise. So I remember imagining, very specifically. I remember imagining, oh, this was a big one. Um, the, the scripture that says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead was in me. And I didn't even really do the rest of it. Just that much was huge. And I remember thinking about that with absolute awe, thinking about Jesus who had been crucified, beaten beyond recognition, crucified, dead, buried in the grave, and the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. That's a big Holy Spirit. And the scripture says that same Holy Spirit was in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead was in me. And I remember envisioning in my body the Holy Spirit. And the way that I envisioned was like this big outraying of light, like with a center and then all of the, the rays of light just outray my whole body. And I remember thinking, meditating and thinking, if I have that wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit in me, then cancer can't stay. Because cancer's the devil, and the Holy Spirit is God, and it's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, so cancer can't stay in there. And I remember envisioning that, kind of like Holy Spirit radiation yeah. in my body. So that's the imagination part. And we, we talked in the, in the prior weeks about also um, imagining yourself in the Word of God. Imagining yourself in those accounts of healing, like the one I read a few minutes ago about the two blind men. See yourself as one of those blind people. See yourself with Jesus and Jesus saying, what is it you want? Saying, Jesus, I, I need, I, I want to see. I'm blind. I can't see. And Jesus saying, do you believe that I can heal you? And up out of your heart says, yes, Jesus, yes, I believe. And then Jesus himself lays his hands on your eyes. And when you open your eyes for the first time, you can see. Put yourself in the Bible. Put yourself in those accounts. Imagine yourself healed. Imagine yourself with the promises of God coming to pass in your life. What does it look like in your life? Imagine it. That is another step of meditation. So there's the uttering and muttering, just reading it out loud. There's the meditation, pondering it, thinking about it, focusing your attention on it instead of the problem. Imagining it come to pass in your life. And then the next step, step number four, is speaking it. Speaking it not just because you're repeating something that's on paper, but speaking it because it's in your heart and you can't help but speak it. 
In Matthew 12, 34, the scripture says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And in another scripture, it says, we believe, therefore we speak. I remember that season of my life. I was, I was so excited about my new relationship with God. I was so excited about the promises in his word. It was like probably 75% of my time, that was my thought. That was what was going on in my thought, in my walk, in my life. Even when I was at work, even when I was busy, I couldn't get it out of my heart, out of my mind. It was, it was all-consuming. And I remember the one person that I really, really, really talked to a lot at my work, in my work environment, was my principal. I didn't talk to many of the teachers because I didn't want to talk the problem. So when they would ask me how I was doing, my, my typical response was, I'm doing really well. God's taking good care of me. But I stopped it right there because I didn't want to talk the problem. But the principal and I were super good friends because we, we worked together a lot in my position. So she was probably my best closest confidant at the school and she was intrigued I couldn't keep my mouth shut I was so excited about what I was learning and what was going on in my heart I couldn't literally I was doing the scripture I was speaking it was in my heart and I couldn't not tell her about it I was telling her everything I was telling her about when I was baptized in the spirit and what happened to me I was telling her about encounters I had with God I was telling her about revelations that he was giving me. I was telling her about dreams I was having. I was telling her about things that were happening um, as I was walking through my healing, things that had to do with the doctor that were like huge God incidences. Everything that's in my, my, um, or my book, my um, A Blessed Journey book, she heard firsthand, step by step by step by step. I was so excited I couldn't help but tell her. It's interesting that after I received my healing, it was the next fall. She came to me one day and she said, Cindy, I want what you have. And I went into her office, the principal's office at the public school, and I prayed with her for her salvation. I believe it's because out of my heart, I was speaking. And the Holy Spirit wasn't only stirring in me, he was stirring in her too. And she received Jesus as her savior. Meditation. That faith is your heart responding to God's anointed utterance of Jesus, the anointed one. The fifth step is the roar, the holy roar. What does a lion do? When it roars, what happens? He gets the attention. Of anybody around him, Kent and I are going to be going to South Africa because our daughter lives there. And people are saying, are you taking a gun with you for those lions? Because we are going on a safari. Say, oh, no, I got God. I'm, I'm good to go. But what if that lion roared, do you think I would pay attention? Oh, yeah, I'm going to, be, I'm going to stay in that Jeep or wherever I'm in. Yeah. When a lion roars, everyone listens. When we roar... When that faith that we've stirred up in our heart, that we've responded to, when we roar, the picture that's inside of us is refusing to keep silent. It's refusing to be held back. Faith is making itself known. And the result is that we receive 
that fruit. We receive the finished work of Jesus according to your faith. Glenn needs his own faith. I need my own faith. And I need fresh faith for today. My faith from 20 years ago isn't going to do me any good in what I'm believing Jesus for today. This, this key that I'm talking about, I don't want you to think it's a works. It's not a works. It's an amazing journey. It's an amazing treasure. I want to tell you about the roar when that came into my life. It was the specific, I remember it really, really well. Um, long story, I'm not going to go to all the details, but this is the day that man's report lined up with God's report. It was the day that I found out I was completely healed. I was scheduled to have an exploratory surgery, and it was scheduled in the afternoon, so I wasn't able to eat from midnight the day before until after the surgery, and I didn't even leave for the hospital until the middle of the afternoon, so that was a long time with no eating or drinking. So I was trying to keep myself busy, and um, I love gardening, so I went outside, and my lilac bush, it was late June, my lilac bush had all of the, the blossoms were all dried up and done. They were done blossoming. So I thought I was going to prune it. Never done that since, but that day I pruned my lilac bush. And I went and got my, my shears and I started cutting off the limbs and something rose up in me. It was that roar of faith. And as I cut off those lilac branches, I was... I, it built and it built and it built. And before I knew it, I was not paying any attention to anything around me. I was seeing those lilac, those dead things, as cancer that was completely dried up and dead, being pruned and removed from my body. And as I was pruning them, I was literally heaving them to the ground, shouting, saying, cancer, you're dead, you're dried up, you are no longer in my body, my body is healed by the blood of Jesus. And I was just throwing those things down, tears were pouring down my face, I was shouting at the top of my lungs. My neighbors, if they saw me, must have thought I was totally nuts. But I didn't care, because that roar was rising up in me. And that day, I went and I had that exploratory surgery. And that is the day that it was proven that all the cancer, that the, the biopsies, the CAT scans, the PET scans, and everything else had shown was not in my body. I was completely well. Faith was making itself known. I was healed according to my faith. That took months and months and months and months of meditation to grow to that level. But once faith comes, and this is for all of us, once faith comes, nothing can stop you from your appointment with healing. One of my favorite scriptures is um, Luke 1, I believe it's 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, I'm going to make a qualification there. That word nothing doesn't mean just nothing. That means nothing that God has spoken to your heart. That means nothing that is rhema to your heart. That means nothing that, the, that God has spoken with his anointed utterance about Jesus will be impossible. But if you haven't stirred up your heart in faith, if you haven't allowed the meditation of your heart day and night to let that come alive in you, then it is that sometimes it might be impossible. And let me just 
make it really clear. Take somebody out in the world who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know the promises, who gets that stage four cancer diagnosis. That's pretty impossible. But when it's breathed into your heart, when the truth is breathed into your heart, when it becomes so real that it's way more real than the cancer, that's when nothing will be impossible. It's your faith, though. And that's the tough love message. It's your faith. It's your meditation. It's the meditation of your heart, not, not the meditation of my heart for you. Although when I pray, I do apply my faith to you with all my heart. But it's important that your, your faith is also in that place. The second piece, the second half, it's not just your faith, it's also your move. So God's already done everything he needs to do. He's simply waiting, on for, waiting for you, for that faith to respond, for your heart to respond, for that faith to respond, for you to believe. And then to trust him and take action. So this is where we left off last week. We talked about the difference between faith and trust. Everything I've, sh I've shared thus far is faith, your heart responding to the word of God. But faith is a noun. Faith is a state of being. Everything I've described to you thus far is a state of my heart, a state of being. Faith is that confident belief, confident belief in God, in his word, in his will. Faith is being fully persuaded of the truth of the word. Faith says, I know that I know that I know that God's promise is real. More real than the cancer. More real than the fibromyalgia. More real than the torn rotator cuff. More real than the, the disorder that the doctors put on you, the label that he's put on you. More real. More real than the pain. More real than the symptoms. That's faith. But trust, on the other hand, is a verb. It's something you do or act upon. Faith comes first. But then trust isn't guaranteed. It's your choice. It's your deliberate choice, your deliberate action. It's taking a step based on your faith. It might be a baby step. It doesn't matter. Just take that baby step especially if God is directing you. What is he directing you to do? Get up and do it. Trust is faith in action. It's the manifestation of our faith in our thoughts, in our words, in our choices, and in our actions. Let me give you a couple biblical examples of faith in action. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. So she had to have known Jesus, known his reputation, seen him, maybe encountered him, heard about him. And then she made a choice. She, depending on what she, or because of what she'd heard, she believed. But then she had an action to take. And she had to take an action even though it was against the law. Even though she was considered unclean and not supposed to be in a crowd. Even though she could have been stoned for that. 
She had to make a choice and take action. And because she did, Jesus said, according to your faith, or I think he, didn't, he said, your faith has made you well. That's what he said. Go now and enter into peace. Beautiful example. Another example is the, is the centurion who was um, heartbroken because his servant was tormented with extreme pain. That's what the word tormented was means. And he went to Jesus. Again, he wasn't even in the Jewish culture or the Jewish... He wasn't under the, the children's bread. It wasn't his bread. But he went to Jesus anyway. He saw this man, and he said to Jesus, he said, I know what authority means. I'm under authority. I have people under authority under me. And I know all you have to do, Jesus, is say the word. You have authority. All you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said to that man, I haven't seen faith like this even among the Jewish people. Yeah, go. Your servant's healed at this very hour. Beautiful examples of taking an action, trusting God, and with words and actions, showing your trust in him. Here's another example. James 2, verse 21 and 22. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. His actions made his faith complete. That's a big one. Think about this man. Think about um, Abraham who had waited all of those years to have a son. He had believed God's promise. He got to the point where he believed the promise more than he, he wouldn't even look at his own situation. Same thing with Sarah. She judged God as faithful, and they believed and they conceived at their old, old age. And now God is asking him to sacrifice his son? And he was obedient. And it says in another scripture, it said he knew that even if he actually completed the sacrifice. His son had have to be raised from the dead because God promised him that he was going to be the father of many nations. So somehow it had to work out. And so he was obedient. And of course, we know that God stopped him and said, no, no, no. And he provided another sacrifice. But the scripture says that his actions made his faith complete. There's a word for us, a similar word in James, same chapter. Verse 17 so too, or so also, faith, if it doesn't have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, or ineffective. So what the scripture is saying is we can have that, that faith that is so stirred in us as we respond to the word of God, to the promises of God, that it is a roar. We can have that kind of a faith and it can still be of no effect if we don't back it up with actions. So what does that look like? It can be something so, so simple. It might be as simple as smiling. Have you seen people that every time you look at them, they absolutely look miserable, even though they're saying, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed? And yet they don't, they look just 
bitter, they look angry, they look hurt, they look disappointed, they look depressed, they're not smiling. Maybe something as small as a smile on your face is an act of faith. Something as small as, as doing your best to act healed. Coming to the meeting, that's a big one, coming to the healing meeting. It's so important not to isolate yourself, not to stay at home. The best place to be is here. It doesn't matter if you're not feeling well. This is the best place to be, especially if you're not feeling well. You might be very discouraged. You might be depressed. You might be um, whatever, just wanting to hibernate. That is the most important time to be here. Isolation is one of the enemy's tactics. Here's another one. And I'm just going to be blunt. I'm going to be bold because I've seen it and it's... it's, it's bothering me a lot. Many people, when they're in the process of treatment, are told from the doctors to, to, uh, it, that it's dangerous to be around people because of your immune system. You better pray about it and follow God, not your doctors. Because this is the place where you can be surrounded with prayer, with believers who agree with you. And if you isolate yourself at home, you're not getting that. You're not being surrounded with like-minded believers. I'm going to give you an example of that in just a minute. I have two testimonies I'm going to share. And I'm going to show you the power of surrounding yourself with like-minded believers. Being in an atmosphere of people who believe. Being built up. We're in the atmosphere of the, the Spirit of God in a healing meeting. I remember once, I always was at church. I was at a, I was at a, a small group on, Wednesday, on Monday night. I was at midweek service on Wednesday night. I was at church on Sunday. And I continued to work, and Jenny was with me every day. So I always had access to believers. I didn't stay home. I remember um, one day I had um, uh, the excision of the melanoma mole. This was after the all all clear report. They didn't bother with that before because they were more concerned about what was inside than the actual mole. But after that was all over, they excised the mole. And this is probably t TMI, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I had, it was on my butt. <laughs> Don't ask me how it got there because it never saw the sunshine. <laughs> but that's where it was. <laughs> and when they went to excise it, the scar, the, the incision was about that long. And they literally took out a chunk of meat from my butt that was big, huge. I had a divot in my butt for years. Glad nobody could see it. That day, it was outpatient. That day, I came home from that outpatient surgery, and I went to the midweek service at church. And I was sitting. It didn't matter to me. I wanted to be in the body of Christ, praising God. That was where I needed to be. Put pain aside. Put germs aside. If you want to wear a mask, won't offend me at all. But be here, consuming your heart, letting your heart be filled with the goodness of God. So do something. Take an action. And being here is a big action. Here's another key. It is so important to listen for the Spirit's direction. That's why I said, if your doctor says, don't go out, don't go anywhere, don't be around people, go to God, listen to him, and he will, he will confirm for you where you need to be, and then follow that direction. 
Here's an important, an important truth. Sometimes people, out of ignorance, do presumptuous things in the name of faith. So basically what they do is they hear what somebody else did, an act of faith, and they do the same act of faith. But it's not their faith. It's not Holy Spirit directing them, and it can be dangerous. I'm going to give you an example of that in the two testimonies that I share. It's called presumptuous faith. It, you're, you're, you think you're acting in faith, but you're really not. You're not acting on your faith. You're taking a step that somebody else took. And it can be dangerous because it might be not where your heart is. God will meet you where you're at. He'll meet you where you're at. You might not be where I'm at. I might not be where you're at. So let him lead that. Act on what you have faith for, not on someone else's faith. And then the last point. It doesn't violate our faith to go to the doctor or to take medicine. We're in the same, we, we have the same uh, desire, which is healing. It's okay to go to the doctor, but here's the key. Put your faith in God, not in the doctor. Be cautious. Keep, keep looking at where your focus is. Is your focus on the doctor? Is your focus on the medicine? Is your focus on the, the treatment? Is your focus on, your, is all your attention on that or is your focus on God? Go ahead and go to the doctor if that's where Holy Spirit is leading, if that's where you have peace. But give your trust to God, not to the doctor. You, you know, you, you respect him or her. You are uh, thankful for what they do and what they know. We pray for them. But our faith isn't in them. Our trust isn't in them. Our trust, our faith is in God. Amen. Amen. So I have two testimonies to share. Freddie, come on up here. You can sit right here. I want everybody to look at your beautiful face. I'm going to be sharing her story, but I want you. Freddie agreed to come tonight. She's usually in our Monday night group. How many of you know Freddie already? Okay, quite a few of you do. She comes to Rochester Christian. So this is a girl I've known since for a long time. This is a beautiful picture of her and her husband. They were in England or Paris in that picture? Yes, and they just went to England in November. Yeah. Freddie um, and Dean got married in Buckingham Palace. She worked for the Queen. I love to tell all these awesome things. Uh, yeah, she's, oh, it's just beautiful. She's shown me pictures of her wedding and in Buckingham Palace. And the Queen, Queen Elizabeth gave them personal gifts every Christmas. So she has all these beautiful gifts from Queen Elizabeth. Isn't that cool? So anyway, Freddie called me a couple years ago and told me that she'd been diagnosed with a very serious stage of cancer. And, it's, and she loves to talk. That's why I'm doing the talking tonight. <laughs> no, I love her. I love her. But I just want to share this real concisely. So um, the first thing she started telling me was her family. She comes from an amazing family of faith. Her mom and her dad, her uncle, miracle-working, powerhouse men and women of God. I've read a book from, about her uncle, Chad? Colton. Yeah, I knew it was one of my family members. <laughs> my grandson's named Colton. Her, her uncle, Colton, was literally miracles, signs, and wonders followed him. And the book that he wrote is amazing, just amazing. And that's her heritage. That's her legacy. But when she's starting to tell me all this, first time I've ever talked to her, 
this is what Holy Spirit had me tell her. I said, Freddie, it's not about your grandma's faith. It's not about your, your uncle Colton's faith. It's your faith. This is a season for your faith to be completely built up strong, to believe and receive what Jesus has done for you. Freddie is teachable. Even though she's grown up in that kind of a family, she listened, she tuned her ears in. She heard what God spoke to her and she immediately started just with all her heart pouring herself into her walk of faith. So this woman, I am just completely in awe of. Is she beautiful? She always looks like this. See that smile on her face? See the glow? That's Freddie. That's God through Freddie. Now she has lived through two years of lots of medical stuff lots of treatment. She has followed the Spirit of God. She has had people pray with her, for her. She's had prophetic word. She has listened in herself to God, come into agreement with her husband, come into agreement with her, her close mentors to make each decision medically. And she has chosen to do a lot of medical things. She doesn't yet have her final good report, yet. I, I take that back. She doesn't have the final report of man yet but she does have her final good report right here. So I want to tell you a couple testimonies. Here's the first one. Last year, middle of the fall last year, a year and a half ago, Freddie asked me to come to her home and to do a video testimony because what she wanted to show her friends and family all over the world, she has fam people all over, she's kind of, her heritage is Sri Lanka, and she's lived in England, and so she has people all over the world that love her and care for her. She wanted to send a testimony. Her testimony is her journey. She knows her testimony isn't just healed by the stripes of Jesus. Her testimony is also her journey because she is walking every day in faith. She, is, she has grown in that response of, of her heart to the anointed utterance of Father God about his son. That is just stirred, it's, it's just who she is. But she has also taken action. God has protected her. Oh my gosh, she's done so much for her. She's walked through the, the, the whole chemo thing without hardly any side effects. I mean, look at her adorable hair. She's got the cutest haircut in here. I mean, she is just, she's healthy, she's strong, she's well. She had one symptom where she had neuropathy in her hands. And men, some, if you guys have seen her a lot, you saw she wore gloves for quite a while. She wore gloves for maybe six, eight months because of the neuropathy. She doesn't need to wear them anymore because we spoke over it. We spoke over every symptom, and that one kind of caught us off guard. And so we had to fight that one after it came. But we, we did together, and Freddie did 99% of it. She just had us agree every now and then. But it's gone. The neuropathy is gone. So she has walked through the fire in an amazing way. The second piece of the testimony I want to share with you is that she has made a choice thus far twice. She may do it more, but so far twice, to put together an event. It's a worship and praise and thanksgiving evening 
She's done it right here in this room. She did one last spring. She's going to do last year, and she's doing another one. What's the date? May 9th. May 9th. It's the day before Mother's Day. And she arranges the whole thing. So she gets a worship band. She puts together an order of service. She invites people. She has, like, coffee and tea and some snacks and things. And it's a lot of work to put together an event like that. Why does Freddie do it? Because she wants to praise and thank God. She wants to give God the glory for what she has seen him do. She is moving in faith. Remember, it's our faith, it's our move. This is a move that she's choosing to do. She's a worship leader, so she gets, she hasn't taken time off of worship. She worshiped this Sunday. She was on our team. She was on the altar leading worship. She continues to live the life of faith. She's not putting her life on hold. She's choosing to move in faith. When she has the worship nights, she is sharing pieces of her testimony and what God has done for her. She is inviting others to join with her in faith, not just for her, but for themselves. This, uh, this uh, event that she's planning, she's, part of the night is going to be declaring promises. And the whole group is going to come together in agreement, declaring God's promises. Not just for Freddie, but for them. So praise, worship, thanksgiving, declaring the word, prayer. She doesn't just want prayer for her. She wants to have people available, ready to pray for anybody in that group that needs prayer or wants prayer. That is a move, an action of faith. Isn't that awesome? That's an example of your faith and your move, Freddie. I love you so much. I want to pray for her right now. Father God, I, you know how much I love this woman. And I know that it's just a reflection of you, God. I know it's your heart just absolutely head over heels for Freddie and her love for you and her trust in you. Not just faith, but trust. She lives a life of trust. She lives a life of, of choosing to believe you over every doctor's report. It doesn't matter what they say. She just trusts you and believes you and is walking through every day of life, living to the full. Father, I speak right now in agreement with you over Freddie's body. I speak over your body, Freddie, and I call it healed. I speak to cancer. Cancer, you are so stupid. You messed with the wrong lady here. So you might as well let go once and for all and get out of her body because this woman is healed. Amen. By the stripes of Jesus, she was healed. She knows it, she has taken it, she has received it. It is her possession, it is her inheritance. And cancer, you have no power over her. She has power over you. She has authority over you. She has chosen to agree with God, not with you. So cancer, you are a loser. Freddie is a winner. Through Jesus, through his victory, through his strength, through his word. She is a victor. By the stripes of Jesus, Freddie was healed. And we believe and we agree. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Give her a hand. I need a hug. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, goodness.
Thank you, thank you, thank you. The second story I want to tell is Norma. Norma is on our Monday night team. She wasn't able to be here this week because she's in Florida with her husband right now. Norma was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer that had metastasized to a tumor on her skull. When she first came to her, our meetings, a friend brought her. Um, Norma was a strong woman of God, but she didn't know about Jesus the healer. She knew about Jesus the forgiver. She knew about Jesus that purchased her eternal life, but she didn't know that it was God's will to heal. So when she was diagnosed with cancer, she was petrified. She didn't know the will of God. So when she came into the meeting for the first time and I told her, Norma, it is God's will to heal, she was overwhelmed in a good way. She was just overwhelmed with that word. That night I prayed for her for the first time. I laid hands on her and prayed for her. And that week she was scheduled to have surgery, a craniotomy. And they were going to you know, get that tumor from her skull. And when they did, it was miraculous. When they went to do the, the removal, the doctor said it literally peeled off her skull like a sticker. They'd never seen that happen before. It was miraculous. And they said at that point, no more treatment needed. That's good news, right? So she, um, that was, she'd come to one meeting. After she was healed from the surgery, she came back. God had captured her attention. And she was like a sponge, soaking up the truth like crazy, meditating on the word. That, that whole series of, of meditation that I talked about, that was Norma. She was immersed in the promises of God. They were just coming alive in her. This woman was on fire. But one year later, she was re-diagnosed. The tumors on her skull came back, multiple, multiple tumors. And they also started in her bones. She had metastasis in her bones. This is where Norma stepped into presumptuous faith. She didn't seek God about what to do. She had been meditating on the word, and it was so powerful in her heart. She said, I am not doing treatment. God's word says I'm healed, I'm healed, period. And she decided to do an alternative treatment with a very, very radical diet. So no treatment and a radical diet. And th these were her words. She said... I can do this on my own. Danger. I can do this on my own. Norma didn't realize it, but her faith was in her own faith. It wasn't in God. Around Thanksgiving, she went into a coma, and she was, the doctors didn't think she was going to wake up. Um, they called family from all over the, the country, friends and family, to come and say their last goodbyes. But, her pastor, Pastor Fran and Tom Veers, she went to Living Grace, she still goes, to Living Grace Church. Pastor Fran said, oh, no, devil. Oh, no, 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 you're not going to get away with this. She, Pastor Fran went to the hospital twice a day, and she spoke the word over Norma. She rebuked the spirit of death. She spoke life, and then she talked to the family. And if you guys know Fran, Fran, does, Fran is a bold woman. And she told the family, you have, you have to start agreeing with your mom because they were a loving family, but they were kind of in that, that place where they were letting her believe whatever she wanted, but they were not so sure, you know, that this was the real deal. 
And Francis says, oh, no, 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 this is real. This is God's word. But you need to agree, too. Do you want your mama to live? You need to agree. So the family came together and prayed in agreement. Fran did not let up until Norma came out of that coma. But when she came out of the coma, the report was really bleak. The cancer markers were at 342, and normal is under 20. When they sent her home from the hospital, they, they recommended hospice care. That's how sick she was. She went home, and she had two God encounters. The first God encounter was just a couple days later. She was resting in her bed, meditating on the word of God when God spoke to her. And it was so clear. She said it, was all, it wasn't audible, but it was as if it was audible. And God said, go to the Cancer Treatment Center of America. God can use doctors. That's what he spoke to her. And it was so loud and so real that she immediately got up, made the phone call, set up a consultation. She forgot to tell her husband. And she's really close to her husband. But God spoke so loud and so clear that she immediately was obedient. That was her move. God met her where she was at. Instead of the presumptuous faith, he met her where she was at. And he says, you need to go here. And because she heard that so clearly, she made the decision that no matter what the doctors recommended, she would agree. She would do it. Because if God told her to go there, he was going to take care of everything else. Her faith was in God, not in the doctors. Her faith was 100% in God. But she went for the treatment. Here's the second encounter. It was just a couple days later. She was in that same place, in her bed, meditating on the word, talking to God. And he spoke again, loudly. And he said to her, you have almost starved yourself to death. She was putting her faith in the diet before that. It had become an idol. She was, she was, it was fear faith. Like if I eat anything else, it's going to feed cancer and I'm going to die. So she was, she, and it was very radical. She was only juicing raw vegetables and she was almost starving to death. And that's what God told her. She got up, went to the refrigerator, opened it, and she started eating healthy food. She started eating well-balanced, healthy food. So those are the two things that God spoke to her. She went to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. She went through the whole medical protocol. And this is my report that I want to share with you. In July, eight months later, the cancer markers went from 342 down to 40. They did a PET scan from the top of her head to the tip of her toes, which was really interesting because that's what she'd been speaking over herself when she was declaring healing. She was declaring that she was healed from the top of her head to the tip of her toes. And that's the same words they used when they told her what they were going to scan. When they did the scan, all the cancer was gone from her skull, every single piece, every single cell. All the cancer was gone from her bones. The damage that the cancer had done to her bones was completely being filled in and restored with new bone tissue. All of her blood work was perfect. The doctor's report said no cancer activity. That's Norma. She's on our ministry team today. It was her faith. It was her move. But God directed her. She followed she listened. She did take medical treatment. 
she's healed. You know what? You don't care the direction that it goes. God uses doctors too. I'm not saying that's always the case, but in her life, that was the case. Amen. Amen. So praise God. Praise you, Jesus. I love that woman. I absolutely love her. She just celebrated her 60th birthday. I went to her birthday party. So God has done his part. His work is finished. His grace is complete. Now he's waiting for us. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting for us to let that faith stir, to respond to the anointed utterance of God telling us of his anointed son. And then when that faith is there, take action based on your faith. It's your faith. It's your move. Amen. That's kind of a tough love message, friends, but it's a big one. And it's beautiful. It's not a works. It's not a works. It's a joy. And I think everybody here that has lived through growing and knowing the revelation of God knows that it is a joy. So, Father, I just pray over this word that I shared tonight. I pray no condemnation. I pray a stirring within us to respond to you, Father, to hear your voice through your word, to hear your voice through your still small voice, to hear your voice through our mentors or our prayer partners or whoever it is, but to hear your voice, God, and to respond at the heart level. I pray, Father, that once that faith has been birthed, that we take action, that we put a smile on our face, that we choose to, to live like Freddie is living, that we choose to take action as you give us the direction, and that we receive our healing according to our faith. God, I give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.